Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. So today is the first in a new series where we go in-depth into the career of a junior developer where we will cover real concerns and strategies to level up. So today I am joined by Jose Mendoza. Jose, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Excited to be here. So to get started, can you set the stage for where you are now in your career and what you're looking to improve? Sure. I am Jose. I am a freelancer web developer who does a bit of JavaScript for some clients through Upwork. And right now I am working in an ERP CRM software for a client we propel. And I'm really excited with the things we are building. This is something unbelievable because I started, you know, just with doing some tutorials and all of that. And the thing grew like crazy. <laughs> so I would like advice, you know, sharing with you some experiences I've had with this new role and looking for ways to improve in there. I experienced periods where I feel like I, I push myself super hard and just burn out. But mm. there are also periods where I don't advance at all if I don't push myself. So my first question is basically, how do you find balance? Uh, the right amount of effort you must put in to don't burn out. You know, you know, there are some advice out there that you must outwork everyone if you want to, to be a 10x developer. And <laughs> yeah, basically, I would like to find more balance. All right, well, maybe we can get into the concept of a of a 10x developer later, and we'll start with what can you do to improve, and how much of that should you be focused on? How do you know, like you say, what's the right balance so that you don't burn out? And the way that I would answer that question is, look, you should be pushing yourself. You should be learning new things. I think if you are relying on an employer or some company uh, and uh, to be responsible for your growth and your development and for you to to learn new capabilities that you're interested in if you're if you're relying on somebody else to to do that and push you forward that's generally not a good idea there as much as it you should have an engineering manager who cares about those things like that is certainly the ideal for at superstruct uh you know we manage a lot of engineers and it's very important you know that our engineering managers are interested in uh the growth of the developers you know we care a lot about what they want to learn and we try and orient um the work that they're doing to where they want to go in the future but even if that's the case, and so even if uh, as a developer, you are as lucky as possible and, and you have a superstruct engineering manager, even if that's the case, we are just never going to be able to be telepathic enough to know exactly what you want to do. And even if we happen to be telepathic enough uh, to know exactly where you wanted to go and how you wanted to grow and exactly what you wanted to learn. It's just not feasible that those things are always going to line up with the work that we have available or 
the timelines that we need them done, right? So if all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, but you know, if you were really interested in in you know 3D game programming or something like that, uh, like that just may not line up. Or even if there was some way that we could kind of connect the dots, so like oh, you know, actually it would be really good, you know, for this next presentation that we had, you know, this demo with 3D data visualization. Well, we just may not have the timeline for you to learn it within a couple of weeks or, you know, a couple of months to the point that we could put that in front of a client or something like that. I'm just coming up with with examples. So what my point is, is you can never fully rely on an employer to push you ahead and make sure that you are working on the skills that you need to to get where you want to go, which means that you have to do some of these things off hours if you really want to to get there the fastest. And the real problem with that, like you say, is is balance. If you're working a a 40-hour week for your job, then where does that learning come out of in in your sleep or your leisure time or your family time or you know whatever? And the best thing that you can do, which uh, we'll get into whether or not it's realistic, is to choose projects that you find fun, right? If your leisure time can be your learning time, then there's no and there's no problem, right? You know, you're you're working during work hours, you're play during, you know, you play during play hours and you sleep during sleep hours. And so there's no there's no out of balance there. You, you don't you don't feel like you're working twice as hard as you should be and, and burning yourself out. You're not, you're not working 80 hours a week and then just sleeping the remainder and, and neglecting all the, all the fun. Now, the real problem with this is you may need to do some learning that isn't necessarily fun, right? You might feel like you need to push yourself or learn things that, that are not enjoyable, that, you know, it's much like in school, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but I didn't find it particularly fun, you know, making flashcards for history or biology or anything like that. That was not, there wasn't really a good way for, for, for me to trick myself into thinking that, yeah, like, you know, instead of, (laughs) instead of playing, uh, computer games, I'm making flashcards and this is just as fun. So I do understand that there are limits, but on the other hand, what you can do as a developer, there is so much freedom to be able to create things that are interesting to you, um, to build things that are satisfying to your intellectual curiosity. And those types of projects, I think maybe it's not 100% fun, but it doesn't have to be 0% fun. It doesn't have to feel like 100% work. And that depends on the person. So to wrap up, my answer to how do you find balance is to make sure that you're you're pushing yourself, as you say, or to like, like learning or leveling up, that you are doing that in a way that a lot of your, your actions or the, the things that you're doing are engaging to you. So it doesn't just feel like work. You are getting energy back from it. It is recharging the same way that fun or leisure is. And so you just don't feel like you are working, you know, twice as many hours. So uh, this is the part where I would say that it depends on the person. And since you're here, what are your 
I guess, two, two different things. Like, what do you want to learn? Like, what is the point of pushing yourself? Like you, you, you are pushing yourself to get to a specific level or position or capability. So, so first, what is that? And then, you know, what? I'll ask the second part after, after you answer that. So, so where are you, where are you trying to get to? Like, why are you pushing yourself? Uh, basically, I see myself following the career path to become a senior developer and perhaps a manager later and a CTO even later. So I think I need to have a clear understanding of the, not just frameworks and the new thing, the trend, but the root principle, the right patterns, you know, all that stuff that never gets old. Being able to manage people as well, learn how to motivate them. So my logic is if I learn how to motivate myself, if I learn how to push myself the right way, I could use that knowledge in helping other people, making them grow as well. So yeah, I think Okay, so so to so yeah. so what I'm hearing though is is the reason why you want to learn is to be able to become a founder or CTO or engineering manager is that do i have that right or am i missing part of the the picture but yeah that, that's that's one reason but another reason of course is just for fun you know i just like to build stuff i i think i need a combination of both i think i need the skills that a cto that a founder has but on the other hand i don't really know i don't really have like the view right now of what i want to build it's not mm -hmm. like i i know exactly what project i want to build i would like to do that on education um i am a fan of project okay. yeah. so yeah so um so we can go in different directions right so so one direction is that i can i can kind of talk about ways that you would be able to uh build up the skills necessary to be an engineering manager or a CTO, or a founder, but there are differences between those roles, even if there is overlap in skills. And so I might be tempted to just say, okay, here, here are the skills that those share. Let's, let's talk about how you can develop them. But the truth is that those don't paint a clear enough picture for me, right? The, the CTO of a company like Red Bull which I'm sure they have a CTO, is very different than the CTO for Amazon, and it's very different than the CTO of Notion, and so on. I don't, I don't really believe that you just want to be a CTO, or you just want to be an engineering manager. So can you, can you tell me, like, what is it that's appealing to you about, and, and honestly, we should just pick one of those. So let's, let's just Let's just pretend you want to be a CTO or correct me if I'm wrong, but we'll, we'll just choose one. Like, what is it that appeals to you about becoming a CTO? Strategize uh, the products, being able to find the right tech. I mean, have the, the knowledge to identify what's better, what's not so great, being able to manage other people and at the end of the day, build some really great products that could help people that the problem with that with not not learning the skill i think is i could not get too far because sure i can start uh, keep doing side projects um keep learning on my end 
but if I don't have like more people, I don't think I can advance as fast. And I don't think I can like do great stuff just as a solo developer. Of course I can, but I mean, I am a bit confused in the scope of things I could do as a solo developer. So I think I need to, to go that road if I want someday to make a positive impact with an amazing product. That's basically okay. okay. So, so again, I mean, I think I, like this makes me want to dig a little bit more about what's appealing about being a CTO. And and so, you know, for myself, I remember earlier in my career, uh, I I uh, really wanted to become CTO because it meant to me that I never had to worry about somebody vetoing my technical decision. Um, I remember I got really frustrated uh, at, I'm trying to decide if I want to name, name the company, but I guess I'll speak in, in generalities, but I got really frustrated because I wanted to use a particular database um, for a new project. And uh, I effectively was told that I could not use that database uh, and the and the reason I couldn't use it had nothing to do with whether or not it was technically appropriate for the project, uh, had nothing to do with how difficult or easy it was to operate or maintain. Uh, the only reason I was told that I couldn't use that database is because the competitor of a subsidiary also used that database, which was one of the most insane things. Yeah, I did not. I did not like hearing that. And even even now kind of is just like kind of frustrating, incomprehensible to me that that that's the reason. And so, you know, things like that uh, really want, you know, made me want to be uh, at the highest level of decision making. And so that's why the CTO role really appealed to me. I think it's also important to be honest with ourselves too, if the motivations are things like respect, you know, or status, or I don't like using the word this way, but but power, which might be related to, to what I was saying about not being able to be vetoed on technical decisions. Maybe freedom is is kind of a better word for that. You know, as in my experience as CTO, I really, really do like the freedom to solve non-technical problems, like whatever the company is dealing with in any technical way that I want. And there isn't anyone to say like, no, that's not the, the right solution. I like having complete technical freedom. And that's something that, that you get as CTO for the, for the low, low price of being responsible if it if it if it blows up and and have all kinds of other other problems, um, which is also not something to take lightly, right? Um, you know, with power comes responsibility. But it's important to recognize like why that is appealing to you. And it might be that freedom to do any kind of technical solution as long as it gets the the job done and moves the company forward. Or maybe it's uh, because the compensation is uh, really sweet, to, to quote a CTO friend that, that I knew once upon a time. Or it's, it's status. It's the idea that, that people are looking up to you and it's, it's sort of proof to yourself that you have, you know, you've made it in some way. Um, and the reason why it's important to be honest with yourself about these motivations is because 
if you do get clear on what the real motivation is, so let's just say, and I'm not saying that this is at all anything that that you're looking for, or what you you know what you've been talking about, but let's just say that it is compensation. Well, it's important to recognize that there are probably other ways of getting CTO level compensation that don't come with a lot of the the downsides that might come with that role, right? You, you may not enjoy dealing with cybersecurity audits or dealing with compliance or coming up with, um, you know, backup strategies and, and all sorts of other things related to deployment and budgets and spreadsheets and all sorts of other things, right? And so if you're honest with yourself about what it is that appeals to you about that role, and let's say it's compensation, there might be ways of getting the things that you like without the things that you dislike. So I feel like we've taken a little bit of a tangent, but it's important to bring all of that up because I'm still unclear about what you're looking to to get and where you want to go. And there's also a limit to how much I want to push because, you know, oftentimes early in, in, in our careers, we may not, we may not really know where we want to go, but um, we can flip it around and we can say, what, what are the things that you really don't like or are frustrated with your current role or where you are right now? To be honest, I am afraid of, I, I listened to an episode of, I don't remember the guest, but it was, it said along the lines that you could have five years of experience or you could have one year of experience five times. I think that's my biggest fear to be in the same place for a very long time period of time because I mean time is very limited so basically my goal to have some kind of positive impact I don't know if in the world because that's too big but at least do something meaningful like the second you are dying you could say like well I did something great in life at least my life was like useful if that makes sense so mm -hmm. I yeah. that's uh <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing just because there's there's a quote that I think about a lot, which is that you know it's better to regret regret something that you have done than something oh, yeah. that you you haven't done. And what's funny about this is it's a it's like I don't even know where it's a sample from, but it's uh it's like the beginning of a, a song by Orbital, and it kind of goes into a, a techno song called Satan. Um, but anyways, I do agree with with that quote um, and avoiding avoiding that recognizing that you did you actually did something you did what you could to help people that's obviously something that that resonates with me i think i do get i do get a lot out of forming communities and helping people and, and things like that so in my mind you want you want more capability so that you can build things that have more of an impact on others is that right yeah that's what i think I, i am not really sure about what to build because yeah as i told you i i would like to go the education role because i believe in the power of education but you have can academy you have uh, i don't know brilliant you have a lot of projects that are already killing it in that i mean yeah for sure you could build something and add to other people like to help others but at the end of the day if you are not capable you probably won't go too far with your mission that's my main concern with that and yeah yeah i think open source is like a an amazing place to start 
because if you don't, if you can hire more people, if you can like have impact, you could receive tons of contributions there. You can like, I'm not going to say you can like manage other people in there, but could somehow collaborate with others and even learn in there to like help clarify the role. And as you said, probably I don't have like really, really clear right now in my mind, like a step-by-step process to how to get there. But yeah, the overall idea is leave the world a bit better than you found it. So, okay. So, so to, to continue on, I mean, I do want to say that you don't need to kind of, and, and this goes into what you're just saying. You don't need to create your own competitor to Khan Academy. You don't, to, to make a difference in education, which some might argue is, is probably one of the most important things. That's one, probably one of the most uh, highest leverage places you can put your effort because everything else sits on top of that, right? Like you want to, yeah. you want to help climate change if that's your deal. Well, education is going to, to help that, you know, earlier on, you want to, you know, uh, on a related note, energy or AI or whatever it is you care about, social justice, all of those things wind up resting on education in some way or another. So I do agree that, that that's valuable, but do you really need to start your own education company or your own education services? Or can you identify uh, an organization that out there that is going to benefit from your skills? And Again, that kind of depends on your motivations and the type of person that you are. If um, if you if you are able to join someone else's mission, or if it's really frustrating that there is nothing out there that is doing exactly what you know needs to be needs to be done. Um, so I, again, I just I, I I do want to go back to what you were saying that your and this is this is where I was going, where there's two things that I wanted to know so that we get back to the, the, the question of balance and how do you improve? So the two things is one, what are you looking to do? And so I'm going to say you are looking to improve your capabilities so that when you see a need or the ability to help people, or you identify um, something that's missing in the market, you have the capabilities of making it real, right? I you know, it's, it's one of those things where you want to be ready. You want to be doing the bench presses and the lifts and everything like that. So that if one day you saw someone stuck under a car, you could lift the car off and throw it, you know, throw it to the side, you know, like a superhero. And so that's, that's totally legit. That's, that, that, that is a, a great motivation. And so the, the thing that I would follow up with that, this was the, the second part that I was holding on to, which is, what, what are your hobbies? Like, what do you like doing other than programming or like, yeah, like what, what are the different communities that you, that are, that you're in? Are you a musician? Do you like sports? Do you like, what types of things do you watch? You know? So what, what are those communities? Like, what are your, your hobbies? Like for me, um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, like, computer games. And, you know, my most recent project had, (laughs) I'm not going to get too much into it, but it it was born out of my watching video game speedruns. So yeah. So what are your, what are your hobbies? Like, what do you, what are the communities that you're a part of? Well, that's a bit wide. When I was a child, I was a musician. Um, I was playing violin and also playing video games. That was how I started out in tech, actually. I was playing mm-hmm. video games when I was like nine years old, 10 years old. 
And my motivation to start in tech was actually to tweak stuff. <laughs> I was seeing uh, the, the game was Habo Hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it's it's really similar to the to the one you created to Rambly, Rambly actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've heard I've heard that before. Yeah, in those times it was it was in Flash. Mm-hmm. You, you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was so good. Yeah, basically I started Googling to create my own server and to get stuff and create my avatars, my personas, and all of that. So I became familiar with WAMP servers. I didn't know what was a BPS at that time. Basically, I remember those times with a smile in my face because you are having so much fun and you are not being pressed by a timeline. You are not like building something that you probably don't really understand the motivations behind. You are just playing because of the sake of it. So yeah, basically that was how I started. And I am a fan of games. I will play FIFA, Age of Empires, you know, all kind of games on computers mm-hmm. not on playstations or nintendo yeah so but, so but right now i mean it's like so are you still playing you still playing any particular games right now i don't have i'm afraid i don't have like the time i am as i told you i was struggling with balance i am closer to 80 hours to the scenario you put about 80 hours and basically what i do in my free time is read books read books uh, non-fiction books about mindset, about entrepreneurship and marketing as well. And I am trying to build like a bunch of generalist skills, if that makes sense. So I could learn a bit of, I don't want to say everything, but I could cover some stuff that could be useful later if I want to take the entrepreneurship road. But I I want to be like a specialist as well. So it's like, well, I don't really have much clear if that's okay. a good so, idea. So uh, yes. I'm going to, I'll leave that alone for a second because I, 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 it's important that we continue on with the, the, the things that, that you find fun or your hobbies yeah. or in particular the communities that you're a part of. And so uh, for me, I have a hunch that there's things that, that you're forgetting to bring up that, that would fit the bill. But let's just say... Um, from what you said, the thing that resonates for me are the books that you're reading. So if you are reading books about entrepreneurship or productivity or things like that, if those are the nonfiction books that you're reading, oftentimes there will be communities formed around those authors and the types of ideas in those um, in those those books, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, one of my favorite books, Atomic yeah. Habits, um, kind of, you know, I haven't actually uh, been a part of this, but I know that the author uh, blogs a lot. I know that there are people who are really into that space and, um, you know, they they kind of have discussions and as new science comes out, they wind up sharing the science or if, uh, you know, other people write on similar topics or, or other books come out, they wind up sharing it. So there's this active community of people who wind up caring about the same topic. And so, for example, if you, one of the books that you just read was Atomic Habits and it really, you know, inspired you and that's something that, that got you motivated and you were, you were trying to follow the ideas in that book, well, one of the things that you could do is build projects around that, 
So maybe it would be a habit tracker that you built for yourself so that you can uh, follow the steps in the book and then you can share it with other people in the community as something to help them, right? You know, other people in the community are are likely trying to follow the same steps in the book. You could create this for yourself and then you would be able to give them, you know, access to your web app or however you decide to build it and they would be able to to use it and give you feedback and maybe have feature requests and then you could, you know, build out additional features and, you know, maybe get to the point of, of charging it. The type of thing that you you build, though, is entirely up to you. And so it could be totally practical in the sense of building out a habit tracker to follow the steps in the book, or it could be, you know, something else, which is more of, you know, maybe it's more like a mind mapping tool that is for keeping track of, you know, the different research related to, to habits or whatever, you know, you would, you, ideally, you would be part of that community, and you could see the types of things that, you know, people bring up most often, and you'd be able to build a tool that serves them, right? And so that would give you practice doing what you say motivates you, right? Your, your reason for building up these skills is to be able to, to help people. And there's nothing stopping you from doing it right now, right? There's no, there's no minimum level of software capability to be helpful to someone. And you can, you can tailor that to your skills and you can also tailor that to the type of skills that you are looking to develop, right? So, so to get a little bit concrete, if one of the things that you were looking to, to learn was mobile development, you know, in React Native, well, then your habit tracker could be a mobile app instead of a web app. Right. Um, or if you were wanting to learn, you know, React or some React like thing, then it would be a web app. Or if you wanted to do a desktop app, it could be Electron. Or if you wanted to learn machine learning, well, then you could incorporate TensorFlow into whatever you're building. Um, and so there's kind of no limit to how you choose to help people in that community. And because it's something that's related to your hobby or something that you are you are doing for fun in your leisure time. Uh, and so that indicates that it is, it's a recharging activity for you. It gives you energy. It's not draining. Um, that, is, that is something that you can leverage for spending time on and learning, but not burning out. Got it. I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm taking some liberties uh, in terms of what would be a good fit for you, but that is, that's sort of an illustration of how I would approach it. Hey, Jose, uh, we are coming up on time, but uh, you know, this, this was, uh, this was absolutely great. Where can, where can people find out more about you online? I think, uh, I think this is a, a good opportunity for, for you to share with the audience who you are and where they can find you and, and reach out. Awesome. I am going to put my website on the notes and you can find me out in junior to senior community as well. I am always on the Slack in there and I am hanging out lately on js.la <laughs> on Rambly. <laughs> so awesome. come up and yeah, we can hang out in there as well. Yeah, the next JSLA uh, is uh, on October 28th, uh, available available to all. You can come say hi to me. I will, I will definitely be there. Um, Jose, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, David. Amazing advice. 
All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. Having trouble finding senior front-end and full-stack engineers? Sponsoring JSLA is one of the best ways to get in front of the best JavaScript devs in Los Angeles. To learn more, head over to js.la sponsorship or send me an email at david at js.la.